0: CannabisRadio.com proudly presents the newest and greatest podcast in the galaxy The Real Dirt with Chip Baker, your insider industry connection to accurate and entertaining information about cannabis technology, production, cultivation, and everything in between. The Real Dirt with Chip Baker is a podcast series featuring the cannabis industry's expert pioneer growers, venture capitalists, lawyers, and dispensary owners rolling joints and dropping knowledge. About cannabis technology, production, cultivation, and everything in between. The future of legal cannabis has arrived, and we want to give you the real dirt with Chip Baker.
1: All right, Real Dirt, Chip Baker and Justin Jones. Fire it up, Justin. All
2: right, firing it up, Chip. Hell Thanks for having me
1: today. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a, a stony one today. Justin is one of the uh, original Denver cannabis dispensaries. Uh, he started in 2009. He's pioneered so much of the industry from a uh, uh, vertically integration Packaging, consulting, legal, political—he's definitely an old schooler, and I'm 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 stoked to have you here, Justin. Thanks, Chip. Stoked to be here. Yeah, what are we smoking here, man?
2: We are smoking some biodiesel from Dank. It's got a pretty good potency profile, twenty to twenty-five percent, and almost twenty-six percent here in Colorado. We get to um, THC. Yeah, we get to uh, we get to potency profile our stuff, and then we are able to um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just that one hit made you
1: stumble your words. Yeah, I know.
2: Oh, we're able to process validate our potencies. So basically we take and we test the same strain over and over, over a certain amount of time. And then we can show that range of low to high. And then you have to retest every six months. And so that's a process validation tool
1: that they allow us to do in Colorado they require all of the cannabis to be tested correctly randomly tested not necessarily randomly you have to test it okay but you have to they you have to submit a test of all of your crops right all your batches at first at first, at first. and then on your labeling which is a slightly different thing it's a it's a test that you do and then you have an average of all your tests, and you get to put that high and low on your label. Exactly.
2: So that the rules say that when you test a certain strain, so this is biochem that we're smoking. So you test a biochem six times over 12 weeks. and they, The tests have to be from different harvest batches, and they have to be like two weeks apart. So they want you to really test the plant, that strain, right. you know, test from different a different crops. bunch of rooms, a bunch of different uh, mm-hmm. times. And then, and then you can show that range, and then you can uh, retest every six months. You can test as much as you want. That that's Do the minimum vari-
1: variation. Are you surprised at any of the variation you see?
2: I'm not necessarily surprised. I just think that there are variations, especially between the the uh, different types of the pla- or the different parts of the plants, the plant. So there's variations between you know the top and the bottom, or the left and the right. You know, to truly get a, a an idea of what a plant's potency is you would homogenize the samples and take uh, a big sample. So back in December of 2015. Grind up a bunch
1: of different nuggets, mix them together.
2: So we participated in the first ever profile test that they gave. It was a proficiency test. And so the Colorado Department of Health wanted to test the 16 labs that are in Colorado that are licensed to test cannabis. So the state officials, the Marijuana Enforcement Division, came to Dank and purchased three ounces of marijuana with cash, which is pretty cool. To, <laughs> pretty cool to have government. The government buy we yeah, for a uh, requisition for cannabis, and please. that's really what it, they I they had that to that's, do. That's and they were waiting. Yeah, they were waiting to get the money. They were waiting, uh, you know, to get the the you know they had to go through all their things. What they did was they bought three ounces. There were three separate ounces, different strains. They took those three ounces, they homogenized it, and then they sent what should be the same exact sample to all sixteen labs. Of course, all 16 labs should
1: come out with the exact same uh, Mm -hmm. results, right? Of course. This has been one of the major complaints with other people we've had on the show is that the testing's not consistent. It's not accurate. It's It's geared for higher THC contents or higher CBD contents instead of uh, actuality.
2: And, you know, the first question that the enforcement agency had asked me was, do you know which labs get higher test results than other labs? And I said, of course, of course I do. And he he was... uh, You know, we were kind of off the record talking about it. And I said, well, if you're trying to sell something and you know that if you send it to this place, it'll look pretty good. But if you send it to this other place, it'll look great. Which one are you going to send it to? So, yes. And, and, you know, the results came back and they were published. And, you know, most of the labs were in the middle of the bullseye if you look at it as a target. And, you know, most of of the labs were inside that inner circle. So the variances were not that far. And then you had outliers. There was about another half a dozen outliers that were, you know, pretty far off. Mm-hmm. I think what we have to highs look at, highs. yeah. And I think what we have to look at is that in this arena of testing, of pharmaceutical, whether you want to look at pharmaceuticals or testing or any of these other things, nothing is an exact science. When you take a Bayer aspirin that says it's 325 milligrams, that's plus or minus 20%. So that could be 380 milligrams. It could be, you know, 200 and, 90. Right. So that's a medical community thing. I mean, that's like that's a major pharmaceutical
1: company like Bayer, uh, and they've got that much leeway, you know. So, same in the fertilizer industry, the the MPK numbers are minimums.
2: Right. And, you know, we've seen finally in edible production in Colorado, they came off of the 100 milligrams and they they give you a plus 10% or even Mm -hmm. more, 15%, I think. Yeah. oh wow because for a while there everybody was scared to try to dose their edibles right at 100 milligrams because if you hit it at 101 you were you had to start over sure so 80 you know now everybody wants to shoot a little high you know so their stuff's nice mm-hmm. and strong they want to be at 105 you know or 108 right. on their 100 milligram edible and they're still going to show it as 100 milligrams mm-hmm. and the customer's still going to think it's a hundred but anyways
1: yeah so mm-hmm. so yeah man let's, let's 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 do the who what when, man
2: I'm Justin Jones, and in August of 2009, I drove around northeast Denver looking at warehouses. And uh, back then, this district uh, was uh, 70% vacant. Everybody had moved down the road to a newer, bigger, better warehouse. You know, these warehouses, this was the first industrial park in Denver. So there was, you know, there was just all these empty old buildings. We called the number on the front of the building, and the guy answered. This was on a Sunday afternoon, and we said... uh, We've got medical marijuana cards and we want to rent the space to, and we want to grow some weed and it's legal. And, you know, we're also musicians and we want to, you know, bring our recording studio equipment in here and uh, maybe have some rehearsal space. And because you musicians, you always
1: want to like double, double down with your studios.
2: Totally, totally. And so we were looking at it as, you know, like let's have our jam pad, a band hang and grow our plants in the corner, right? And it was really just going to be for ourselves. We weren't like trying to, Started grow. We weren't trying to start a store. We just rented some commercial space. So by November of two thousand nine, two months after we move in, the governor declares that if you're selling marijuana you gotta get a sales tax license. That it's not it's not a it's not like pharmaceutical pills. It's not like your pills that are exempt, you know, like it's like no, this isn't R X. It's not a prescription, you gotta charge. And, you know, we had, uh, because of the Ogden memo, and then, you know, what later became, you know, turned into the Cole memo, we were starting to grow for some other people. So we really never got the man hang. We never got the jam pad. It just, you know, we kept, uh, we kept stacking cards. And so by uh, December, we had our sales tax license. And then by January of 2010, the city of Denver came out and said, hey, listen, uh, if you're selling pots to more than six people, you got to get our, our dispensary license. So, uh, you know, shortly after that, the state of Colorado put together the MMED, Medical Marijuana Enforcement Division, and came up with the state rules by the summer of 2010. We were applying for the state license. So things moved fast in in less than a year, and really, the golden ticket was having the warehouse, having the, having an address. Mm And you know, as I work in, in zoning other states. Zoning had even no, come up at that point. No, there was no zoning. We couldn't get business licenses. Uh, we were really just stacking cards, just like still happening in a lot of places. But the key was the, was the address. The key was the industrial property, you know. We also were kind of allowed some grandfathers, uh, grandfathering, um, which is kind of a slang term for being able to operate uh, with the rules that used to be for your area, even though they changed them. When,
1: when did all that change? What was the?
2: Well, we the 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 zoning over there changed in 2011, and my building went from an industrial property with a, with no restrictions. So back then they'd called it an I zero which meant you could do whatever you wanted. They do not care. You can do whatever, yeah, whatever you,
1: you want.
2: Yeah, but in efforts to modernize the city of Denver, all those codes were written in like the 50s. So they're like, look, we need to update these areas and we want this area to be
1: able to... Build, One lives. of the smartest things Denver did, yeah, actually, it in is. the cannabis industry, was was push people into those unused areas. For sure, and now they want them back, actually, but uh, that's a whole
2: other discussion. So, so we became an industrial mixed-use space, which you can no longer grow cannabis in. So we have a grandfathering there, so we are allowed to grow cannabis there. Now, if I sold my company to you, you could grow cannabis there. But if I closed my company down... You just walked could. away. No one else will ever grow weed in that building again. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I've heard. Um, of, I've heard of this. The store is okay there. I mean, we can have a store there forever. There's no, you know, restrictions on the on the store side of things. So,
1: it is an industrial area. There, there are homes not too far away.
2: Well, that's what happened. The city just did a thousand foot setback off of all residential areas.
1: Right, and you're not a thousand. And
2: we're right. We're one. We're one building over. Yeah, okay, which turns sure. out to be ama- amazing for the store and for the people to get over and buy. Byproduct, but at the end of the day, you know, maybe the smell of weed going right over to the neighbors' backyards isn't that cool. But we've never had a problem in our neighborhood. I think that most of the houses in our neighborhood are growing
1: weed at their houses too. So I don't really think so many people grow cannabis here in Colorado and in Denver because you can because it's legal. Man, let me stop you right there. And now I want to tell your story. Yeah. Right, right, you you told it. Well, that was the beginning. That, was, that yep. was the beginning. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna tell the listeners how it really happened. Okay, because I was there. You
2: were you were. I, mean, I did I, I, I was, did. I my favorite uh, my the only store I've ever bought nutrients at was
1: Cultivate Colorado. So oh, thank you, thank you. Well, Justin and Greg walk in one day, and they say, "I want a grow tent." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they buy this grow tent. And then they come back and they're like, hey, I'm going to get another grow tent. And, you know, my staff, uh, uh, we're really encouraging. We help the customers out. You know, they say, oh, hey, what do you think about building a grow room? He's like, no, I need a grow tent. Yeah. Right? And their, their model, I'm not quite sure what their model was, but they kept buying these grow tents. Every month they'd buy another one light grow tent. Yeah. Right? Until they literally got up to like five or six. And I'm like, what are these guys doing? They're definitely going to fail. There's no way they're gonna fucking make it by <laughs> yeah. grow tents. Yeah. And they got 10 grow tents and I'm like, holy shit, what are they doing here? They got, what, what's their reasoning? Cause you guys seem like smart guys. Yeah. Yeah. But a grow tent is, is usually for not for commercial use. No. Nope. But by the time we talked, you guys had 20 maybe.
2: I think we were, we got up to, we finally built a room, you know, like, so I think we got up to, let me, let me think back. I think we got up to about a dozen and we said, you know, why are we buying all these fucking tents? And so we, uh, we built a room. We built like an eight light room. You know, soon after that, the city came around and, you know, we kind of got in trouble for building some electricity stuff without permits, but, and, and things like that. And, and, you know, that was just a, a small fine and get some permits and,
1: you know. And at this point, I definitely didn't think you guys were going to make it.
2: Right. And right. so, you know, like now we're having, <laughs> so now we had to go to court and, uh, you know, explain why we uh, had this grow there and all this electrical. Mm-hmm. It was called, co- it was called an illegal, um, electrical upgrade or something. Right. And it would, they, they're misdemeanor charges. It's mm-hmm. pretty, it, it's actually a criminal misdemeanor charge. We got it all thrown out and we fixed everything. So it was all good, but the, the tents wouldn't work because they weren't a physical permanent structure. Right. But at and
1: the so, time there was a rationale on the, on the patients or the cards or something. It right? wasn't even, you know, it was
2: just that we, uh, you know, we could. We were trying to add fast, and so you know, like for, you know, like a thousand bucks, I could pop another uh, another tray and another nine plants, and right, a, you know, another cheap. thousand
1: watts and flowered at any cycle you want,
2: right? And so when we built that first room, you know, we finally had like saved up, you know, five grand or something, you know, you to, had twelve uh, tents going, man. Yeah, well,
1: um, Did you do well in any of those tents, or
2: you know, we always got like a pound of light it, it okay. paid the bill it 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 allowed everything that you know was happening to continue to happen you know of course back then we were getting like 3500 a pound you know and that was just even on wholesale right um as we got our store open we started getting more than, you know more than that a pound because we were You're vertically integrated you know and that's right. something that I know we're going to talk about today but yeah, you know, eventually we, you know, had to do a full get hire an engineer and build it all out. So we were actually one of the first groups in Cannabis in Colorado and in Denver to get a certificate of occupancy, a CO. And so we were one of the first marijuana companies. And so a lot of what we went through was was the city not knowing how to deal with marijuana guys, and we were the first ones, so they just we kind of were the guinea pigs all the time. We always ended up being the guinea pigs. Well, I have
1: uh you got, you you guys also don't fit the stereotypical cannabis grower bill. right? Other than you're both musicians. Yes, that, uh, that, that that is. That's another story. But we
2: were regular day job guys, you know. I was a professional salesperson. I was going out, you know, dressing nice and and visiting lots of different clients. And my partner Greg was a uh, owned a landscaping company and was, you know, selling and business development and you know. So so yeah, we were we were regular guys, you know. We're we're uh, we're from the Midwest. We're laid back kind of people. So, that you know, it was well, Had you
1: guys grown it before?
2: Just at home a little bit, you know. So, yeah, I mean, like I started it. growing cannabis. I was growing cannabis for a year before '09 when we mm-hmm. moved into that warehouse. So, you know, at this point, eight years ago,
1: you know, right. eight years I've been growing. Wow, yeah, yeah. You guys are perfect blend. Yeah. And right time, right place, good background. Totally. I mean, you know, Greg with his landscaping background and you with your sales background. Yep. Both of you guys are like, politically oriented uh maybe you shouldn't say politically oriented but you know how to network
2: oh yeah right? definitely we you know, know how to network well you just know when you have something and you know we sat back and we were like look we, we're not necessarily the best of any of this but we have a lease on this warehouse our landlord's mm-hmm. cool and we're already ahead of most of the people that started jumping in the game because you know Fall of '09, Ogden memo, floodgates are open. We know the feds are not going to bust us if we're stacking cards and not doing anything too crazy, right? So everybody wanted warehouse space. That was the ticket. You know, we just kind of looked at everything like, oh, we got to get this license. Well, it's three grand. Oh, that's a pound of weed. Good. Nope, we can, we can do that. We can grow a pound of weed and it'll pay for this license. Same with the state licensing and everyone at the MED was new and it's, they're all, uh, they were all former police officers and now they are in charge of the marijuana enforcement division, you know, and so I'll never forget the very first day that I went in for our face-to-face interviews and, and got to meet, uh, you know, my investigator and, uh, we were his very first in, uh, interview. So he is, he, uh, I was his first person that he ever interviewed who's going to be a licensee for cannabis. Now, that guy ended up becoming the director of Canada, of the Marijuana Enforcement Division uh, for Colorado and has now moved his way up into the executive level at the Department of Revenue and oversees the director of marijuana. And, you know, that's been pretty cool because, uh, you know, he's watched us go all these years and we were the first ones he ever talked to about it. and uh We've watched him, you know, work his way all the way up through the ranks at the state level, and it's been pretty cool. So, you know, it's a, it's really important uh, that everybody understands that uh, call it, you don't have to have 20 years of growing and you don't have to be, you know... a th- Second or third generation grower right now because
1: enthusiasm, determination, and cash,
2: cash, and then the the other one that that trumps all of that is um, the ability to be compliant and follow rules and regulations that have never happened with people right. in this it, industry before, and, and so,
1: be able to like ride the wave because that's what's yep. going on too. It's constantly changing. Yep. You have to ride the wave of regulations,
2: ride the wave of uh, regulations, and also. Colorado was the first ones to regulate. So, you mm-hmm. know, I I catch myself now that I'm working in Oregon and Washington a lot, you know, talking about Colorado, and I always kind of preface these guys of like, hey, you know, tell me if you're sick of hearing Colorado this or Colorado that. I said I tell them, but at the end of the day, these guys still haven't even been hardly regulated. In Oregon, the growers have never been regulated until right now. And so, you know, I have been regulated for six years by multiple government agencies. And so there's just a... A big learning curve uh, when you have that much of a difference between zero regulation and then someone like me who maybe has only been growing eight years, but I've been regulated for six years of that, and uh, you know that. So that's a big that's a big hurdle as California comes online because. You know California's had patchwork at best, local you know ordinances, and it's a and, free
1: for all, a gray market yep, free for
2: all. Yep, it is, and, and Oregon's been a gray market free for all, and in uh, Colorado still is. It's just the licensed system where people are going to the stores to buy cannabis are aren't really not participating in that that side of things. But mm-hmm. we all know plenty of people that have their garages and their basements and you know that sort of thing. So it's yeah. still a little bit wild west.
1: Millions of points of light, man. Millions of points of light. Well, hey, man, I hear that music. I think that's time. We should take a break. Let's take a break. All right. Let's take Chip a break. Chip Baker. Justin, Justin Jones. Jones. Real Dirt. We'll get back to firing it up
0: with the expert on The Real Dirt with Chip Baker after this.
3: Do you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With New Frontier Data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. New Frontiers tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities. Our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions. And our cutting-edge big data platform, Equio, puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's E-Q-U. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. But a game for your phone gonna make you say, wow! The games about the game are growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the board, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the celebrities inside your entourage.
0: You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong.
3: The name of the game is hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc.
1: While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points.
4: The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver. Register now at www.seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. The Seed The Sale Show, the largest cannabis business event to be held in Denver, will host over 2,000 cannabis professionals and focus on innovations and in technology in cultivation, infused products and extraction, and sales strategies. The show will recognize the best in the industry with the Cannivation and Canatech Awards. Register before January 6th for $100 savings at seedtosaleshow.com. Use the code radio 15 for an additional 15% off. Plan your experience now for the NCIA Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st. Seed to Sale or 888 409 to
0: Sativa's to, to Indicas. We roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. Cannabisradio.com. Time to get all the insider cannabis industry secrets straight from the mouths of the OG weed pioneers on the Real Dirt with Chip Baker. We're
1: back, Real Dirt. Chip Baker, Justin Jones. Had to get a little, little more shot of caffeine here. Let me have a sip. It helps. uh, It helps balance out Mm -hmm. the puffing. Yeah, I know. We should smoke some more weed. I got some weed over here. What are you you interested in? What do you got? Man, I had an awesome guest the other day. Mr. Soul from Brothers Grimm Seeds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He brought over some weed. I got some of his C99. Let's try a little of that Cinderella. Yeah, dude. Here, he, okay. He apologizes for the trim, but
2: I'll let you look at it. Well, you know, right. Sometimes guys don't trim with that. I see that in Oregon a lot. It's it's definitely an old school technique. Well, man. and it protects it, the crystals and stuff. So if you don't mind, kind of just flaking it off. Especially here in Colorado, it's so dry. Usually that stuff just by the time you're packing a bowl, it pops off anyways. Right.
1: Yeah, and if you're selling it like this, there must be fuck, dude, five percent leaf on it or something. So you know five percent five percent, right? I've never -hmm. heard of anyone doing it for that reason, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's been done. I don't know. I mean if you can get away with it, whatever, right? Yeah.
2: But when you're also sometimes when you're getting somebody's head stash and they don't care, you know,
1: they're Uh, just it is what it is. Yeah, and that was that was uh, Mr. Soul's explanation is hey man, when it's for myself, I just do it this way. If it's going on the shelf, then they trim it. Right, and he gave me some uh, genius nuggets that were trimmed. Yeah, do you know that weed genius? Mm-mm. Fuck, dude, that's some bomb ass weed. It, I, I, it blows this other stuff away. Yeah, Everybody been, says uh, they have it, but they just have some cross of it. My favorite pot up in Oregon now is uh,
2: that I've been uh, digging on is the Archive Boys, mm, Archive Fletcher. Portland. Yeah. So uh, Mac, Mac and Fletcher and those guys—they've uh, they're onto something. And what's super cool there is that I can go in there, yeah, dank weed. They're on onto super dank weed. Yeah, man. I can go in there and get super dank weed. But if if you like it a lot, they have the seeds and the clones mm-hmm.
1: Full for one stop shop. Yeah. So what's I mean, the name of their place? Archive? Archive, Portland. Archive Portland. Archive Portland.
2: Yeah, and so you know, I mean, they've they've got a good name from all the the work they've done in Washington and. But those guys got some good strains, man. They've got this Gorilla Glue that's, uh, well, and they're just, they're really good growers too. So, I mean, that's a part, big part of any, any, uh, strain or any, how good the weed is, is, you know, oh, who's yeah. growing it, who's I giving think, it the love.
1: I think, uh, I met Fletcher probably when he was, he might not even been out of high school yet, but he was, you know, lying about his age to hang out with this group of growers at this cannabis cup. Yeah. Right. Back in, uh, Two thousand and four, maybe. Yeah. Right. So that'd been twelve years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out. So that was twelve years ago. Right. And I know he's thirty right now. So he was. He was. I think he was just out of high school or almost. Yeah. But he's always been really mature and had super incredible cannabis.
2: He's I mean, he, he is <clears throat> well known uh, in all parts of the country for being uh, an amazing grower and also uh, the genetics, the strains. I know.
1: I need to get him over here on the show, dude. Let's talk about uh, 2010. Yeah, so let's let's explain what's going on. Yeah. here. So right now, in 2009 to 2010, you guys are under the medical guys. You're growing cannabis, I should maybe guys, but under the medical rules. Well, the, they had been started really, and we yeah. had applied for licensing. It was all just infancy before yes. regulation.
2: Well, the re- uh, the re- the initial regulations. Oh, well the.
1: It was all just starting. We'll yeah. just say that. Yep. Right, right it was.
2: Uh, it was HB ten. Okay, I can't remember the house bill. I won't even try to call it. But um, you know, it basically gave us the the guidelines to to work within, and it created the agency at the state level, the MMED, the Marijuana Enforcement Division. Yep, that's what it's called now. Back then, it was uh, Medical Marijuana Enforcement Division. Um, so they once recreational hit, they they dropped the medical and just called it MED. Law enforcement agency um, was created uh, from scratch um, under the Department of Revenue and uh, was mostly staffed by guys that had been working in gaming area or just other officers, elite law
1: officers. Um, Let me ask you this question: Yeah, this is you know the the, the real dirt. We're we're trying to get to the bottom of things. Yeah, I want to know how it felt as a transitional cannabis is illegal and you go to jail for it to you talking to someone with a badge about your cannabis like when that moment happened tell me tell me what went through your head that first interaction with law enforcement yeah. and legal cannabis it was
2: amazing we couldn't believe it was happening it was like <laughs> living a dream on a daily basis on the other side of things is uh these guys even though they were they were cops they seemed pretty cool and and pretty into it and you know i still know a lot of those guys from the early days um like like we talked about earlier the and and so and i still i still know the the government guys a lot i do a lot of work with them and we've uh we've been kind of uh dank has been a place for the government guys for the med to come and, and feel safe in working through what they got to work through to be to be good good and better for
1: the industry so you guys have been pioneers. We yeah, really
2: we have. really, we really just, and it was just because uh, we we were so scared that we were going to do something wrong, get busted, get thrown in jail, whatever. Always we
1: figured. some of the most conservative.
2: Yeah, we just tried to toe the line and, and be cool and uh, have respect, and and it all worked out because, uh, you know, here we are, uh, seven years later, six years after I uh, applied for that state license, and uh, nobody's in jail, and everybody's working hard. We're uh, you know, we've grown from all those tents back in the day to about twenty-five employees, and we went recreational, and that was that was a major effort. Once recreational passed, yep, Amendment sixty-four passed in uh, November of two thousand twelve, and uh, we spent all of two thousand thirteen putting the regulations together and the licensing together. Uh, Dank went in on October first, two thousand thirteen, and made our application for recreational cannabis. That was the very first day that you could make the application. And we went down uh, later that afternoon from the state to the city of Denver, and we sat down at the desks. Sean Phillips from Strainwise was at one desk, and Greg and I were at the other desk applying for our city license, first time, first city license for recreational. And that was, you know, news cameras and the whole nine yards. But uh, that allowed us to be open for business on January 1st, 2014, which was the first day that recreational cannabis was allowed to be sold legally on this planet, hell so, yeah. I w- yeah,
1: I was there. I broke my I broke my way in line. You did. We got right. Chip
2: up in line. Uh, we had about two thousand people in line that day. Totally. Uh, it wrapped around <laughs> the block. It was pretty crazy. It was a mo- monument to stay, and there were only seventeen right. stores in the Man, state were- of Colorado that were open. So, I mean, there was, you know, I claim, and I still will will hold true to this that that we actually made the very first sale of recreational cannabis to end prohibition but there's 17 other guys too but anyways it was, it was a great day you were there and uh, you know it really launched um it really launched my career what we had been before was a small medical marijuana company mom and pop it was me working 60 hours a week with a few uh,
1: three employees how much weed did you guys sling that day Oh, that day, we signed a lot of weed on the first day of Rack. Did you only sell eighths or grams? Yeah,
2: that's all we've ever sold. We kind of really saw the... So you're growing pounds and selling grams. We are the dime bag guy, yeah. Bam!
1: It really works. has got a corner.
2: Yes, we have the Corner. And Damn. when you're growing it too, you know, and you are vertically integrated that way.
1: So, what did you pull up in? A, was that a Lambo <laughs> or, or Bugatti? Like, I was.
2: Uh, I mean, I'm driving the. Uh, I'm driving a a police interceptor today, 2007, <laughs> which is our security car for the for the grow. Well, I moved to Portland back in April, so five months now coming up. Um, and uh, so, when I come back to Denver, I get to get a rent cars or drive the interceptor. Right, awesome, awesome. <laughs> you pulled up in a cop car today. Yeah, yes. Well, you know. You got, a, pre- you got
1: a badge, man. I mean, you're kind of, you're not a cop, but you're, you know.
2: The cops that I showed the car to you that I know yesterday thought it was pretty funny that I was driving around in a cop car. <laughs>
1: but. We used to drive one and we'd always get blinks from other cars. <laughs> Hysterical.
2: So we, uh, so Wreck happened, 2014. You were there and. Yeah,
1: bribed my way in the line with stickers. Yep.
2: And. Uh, there was going to be a revolt. Well, you know, Chip, we've always purchased all our supplies from Cultivate, and and uh, that goes back before '09 when I was growing at home. That goes back to like, well, whenever yeah, you first we were, put that yeah. story in over on uh, Wadsworth, that was '08. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. Oh wait. Oh yeah, you were one of my first customers. Yeah, we were For there. Sure. Like I knew right away because I—that's what I had started.
1: So like, yeah, I I I, comp- I did not think Justin was going to survive, and now he is thriving. He has. Dank Cush bottles Denver Consulting Group Canastore Greenspace Re uh, I mean one two three four five incredible businesses yeah, basically since you know two thousand and nine since yeah, those years since that, so that one light that <laughs> that and one grow tent what's what's
2: really cool about cannabis right now is that it, you could do something that it, is what makes our country great and what's it's what makes capitalism great. And it's why America's better than all the other countries out there. Okay. But it's hard to do that anymore. It's hard to just like work your ass off and throw down a little bit of money and like, you know, have it really kind of be a lottery, uh, you know, like win a lottery kind of situation out of it. And I know you come from that background of putting hard, put putting uh, your uh, bootstraps all together to, to make things happen. And, and that's, you know, what we really had, had done. And, and once recreational happened, uh, the fruits of the labor really, you know, were, were in front of us and we, and we had them and, and we were, uh, really excited. And it was very tough because our company went from four employees to 30 overnight, literally overnight. So the rapid growth, there was stress. It's positive stress, but stress is still stress and you have to be, um, able to change. And so, you know, we went through a lot of, uh, a lot of changes, um, in the beginning of 2014, but you know we were we were selling a lot of a lot of marijuana. We had tons of customers. Um, it was good times, and that's when uh, Kush bottles um, became a part of our portfolio. And that was uh, again due to getting the warehouse next door to the grow. Um, we weren't able to grow in that because of the zoning changes, and so we decided to put a packaging company in there because we were all required to use child-resistant packaging. Everything was coming from California. There was no local source. And so we basically were first movers in Colorado for child-resistant packaging. And we started a company called Dank Bottles since we had Dank Dispensary. We went under an agreement with Cush Bottles out of Santa Ana, California to use the name Cush Bottles Colorado, and we bought everything from them. Mm-hmm. They they were already up and running and servicing California.
1: Right. So now you've hopped from touching the plant and business of cannabis to the Ancillary business, the support business, the non-cannabis, the non-regulated, the picks business, and the, shovels, the picks and shovels side. Welcome, welcome. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, you know the gold miners made a lot of money, but uh, you know Sears and Roebuck and those uh-huh. kind of guys were selling them clothes and, and shovels and picks and.
1: Yeah, but we uh, still say Eureka when you're excited about striking something. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. So we started dank bottles, uh, called it Kush bottles, and uh, that went bas- just bananas right away because uh, n- people either didn't have the space to stock enough. Like a lot of these stores are tiny little stores, and they're going through so much product, they just didn't even physically have room to to have cases of child resistant packaging sitting around, and uh, and you'd get screwed over on you know waiting for FedEx to deliver your your stuff from from l a or Southern California, so basically uh you know that company yep. took off fast and furious and uh right when they were requiring regulations for yep, packaging totally right? and and right as everything exploded yeah. you know and and most businesses in denver had, were that uh, were that were going recreational were you know seeing like thousand percent increases in sales so it was <laughs> things were ramping fast and uh, so how
1: much did, did you tell me how much you you sold on that first day or you avoid that question? first
2: day I think we sold $45,000 worth of uh, worth of weed that day wow we could only get 500 people through the line we, we, like if we had to do that today again we're, we're way faster and better and we would have you know definitely probably cranked out uh, you know we could crank out seven or eight hundred people, no and God. actually this weekend is uh, the oh uh, we got grass What
1: you want? A B or C?
2: Yeah. Well, and this weekend is fish weekend, and and actually we thought we would never ever have a bigger day than that day one, but we've actually uh, we beat it on a four twenty uh, now. We've beat it on a Friday of fish fish weekend when they come to play Dick Sporting Goods Park. Uh, it doesn't hurt when you get an extra twenty five thirty thousand hippie jam band stoner likes. Coming to Colorado to that's see your, your favorite
1: conveniently band. Conveniently located facility, right? Yeah. Right near Digs. Pretty close. So, uh
2: yeah, but Kush bottles started going bananas, and we started meeting like everybody
1: with a name like Dank too. Yeah, it's an easy Dank. place to choose over others. Great branding. I see you're sporting the D.
2: This is the contraband D. The yeah, city right. of Denver uh, made us quit using the because It looks a lot like theirs, so it, this is an illegal hat.
1: Wow, that's a that's a pretty tight one, though. I never got one of those.
2: Well, you can't beat these grassroots hats. It's all him. You no, yeah. seen, did I ever show
1: you the inside? No, I don't think I've ever seen one. These are specialty hats. They must not have uh,
2: passed the... No, they were selling them. So I got pictures of the buds Damn, with the guy. test results on the silk on the
1: inside of the hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's got Sour Diesel, 24%. Death Star, 27%. Larry OG, 19%. So what 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 do you feel about the, the these THC percentages do you do, I, I mean it, how 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 do you feel when you smoke a 19% versus a 27% oh
2: way better 19% with lots of terps is the best weed Make that's my opinion. Um but but you know, that's uh I, I don't that's why I don't get high off like the CO two oil. They've they, all the terps are gone. All those other things are yeah. gone.
1: Secondary um, compounds are so
2: important, yep. man. Terpenes are so important. So yeah, I, my favorite ganj is uh is eighteen, nineteen percent OG strains, um that are just really terpy and gassy and uh you know. Plus, you know, I mean, you talk about 19% versus 27%. That's one hit, two hits. I mean, it really, it's, you know, yeah, you want to have this super strong pot. But at the end of the day, I like to take more than one hit or two hits sometimes. And and with the 29% stuff, I mean, you know, you can't smoke a joint.
1: (laughs) And I don't see the difference so much. Right. Yeah, it, it's all about the it's all about the secondary compounds. It's all about the terpenes. So I'll throw this in there right. too. It's all about the situation
2: too, like how you know, the how CBD you get, relation the ratio as sure. well. Sure, well, but I think right. like for me, it's also like what you're doing and who you're hanging around with. It's a very social uh, drug, you know. Sometimes if I'm by myself and I'm, you know, just. Maybe getting ready to go to bed or something. I will smoke some pot and I don't really get that high. And I guess maybe at that point it's more—it's more of a medicinal thing. But when I'm hanging out with my friends or even you know us hanging out now, you know, it's like it's a totally different vibe. And, and you know, okay. I think we're
1: feeling good and stony. So I think this C ninety nine was twenty seven point nine percent. Yeah, and, you, and and we only smoked half a joint of it. You put it down.
2: I'm down.
1: You're down. Yep. Totally.
2: Well, you know, you could always relight.
1: Oh yeah, totally. let we'll fire it up here in a minute. We'll just we'll just we'll just keep it going on. So, yeah. kish bottles, man. You're slinging packaging because
2: slinging plastic, and you know that opened us up to getting to know everyone in the industry. All of a sudden, we you know we're delivering packaging to like 300 different companies, and then there was a big uh, push for new labeling, and everybody freaked out. There's all this new labeling requirements. So we decided to help all of our customers, and we said, listen, if you're buying Kush bottles, we want to help you make sure that your labels are totally compliant. And people were struggling with that all over the place, and we were seeing that from our vendors at the dispensary and just looking at other people's packaging. And So we started teaching classes, free classes. Come over. Send your manager over. We're going to send you home, and you guys are going to be perfect at labeling. Mm Mm-hmm which is important because if you mislabel cannabis and something bad happens it's considered a violation affecting public safety you get a recall you get a recall you get i mean there's there's those sort of things so
1: what if I, happens if i buy some cannabis on tuesday and on wednesday it gets recalled can i come back into the store and say hey man yes
2: you can, uh, um, you know, they say uh, the recalls always say, you know, to uh, return it to where you bought it, or throw oh, does it, it really? Throw okay, it throw it away. Yeah, throw it right, away. Right. I don't think
1: people return it. I, Nobody you know, by the time it, it comes these, yeah, out, everybody smoked it. It's usually it's like two gone. weeks after the public knows. Yeah, totally, right. totally.
2: And you know, there haven't been a we, we've had pesticide recall issues, but you know, for the most part, the big thing is that you know those public safety violations are you know could be a hundred thousand dollar fines, and they can also get you closed. So. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we're just helping everybody. We're we're helping people with labeling. The everyone's buying their packaging, and then they that just kind of continued into our group being uh, looked to all the time to help other people get compliant. I had a friend, uh, and, and we started working Us, with uh, a company,
1: Denver Consulting Group.
2: Yeah, and you know, but I you know I got to give it up to a company called I Comply, which came in and we actually hired their company to train all of our staff at the dispensary, mm-hmm. and so you know. They helped me as a as a licensee, you know, initiate a culture of compliance, which is what you have to have. Compliance trumps everything now in, in recreational and legalized cannabis, so You know, I tell my clients in Oregon all the time right now, hey, the office trumps the field. Mm -hmm. And I know in growing cannabis, that's never been the case on the West Coast, you know? Uh, It's always been the growers do what they do, you know? And so we have a culture of compliance. So so we started studying, we started being taught, and then we are out helping people and we also knew all this compliance and we were good at it. So Denver Consulting Group started kind of just because we were getting so busy helping other people, we said... We are going to go broke, helping all these other people if we don't start a consulting company. And, uh, you know, we can charge people a little bit, maybe get a couple of employees. So uh, Denver Consulting Group has now uh, been writing license applications. We did Illinois and New York and Maryland and Hawaii. Uh, we've been helping a bunch of people for years now in Colorado. We just uh, got our second client. A license in Oregon, and that was last week. And then yesterday, we successfully submitted a grower's license application for Alaska. So, and that's recreational. And now that I'm in the Northwest, I don't really have a lot going on in Washington. But boy, Oregon is, is uh, an amazing spot for Denver Consulting Group. And uh,
1: actually, we call it DCG Northwest. Up there, we're kind of working on. You're that. all over the country. It's not just Oregon, though, because right, you, you, you're kind of skipping this crucial portion of it. All right, which one's right. that? Well, we, you started the Denver Consulting Group, yep. and then you started helping people all over the country obtain legal licenses. Yes. So yeah, and you, you've helped people in Illinois and New
2: you know York actually my my Maryland client was Maryland. Just, just texted me five mm-hmm. minutes ago. They're in the middle of issuing all the licenses in Maryland. So Hawaii was very small. They only issued eight licenses. This licensing thing, is, it's kind of a tough thing because you can really do the best job and you can, you can crush it for your client and your client, you can really truly believe that your client's portfolio and resumes are, are really good and it doesn't matter on whether, you know, you, you either get the license or you don't in these competitive, you know, arenas. And uh, we wrote the second highest scoring grow application in the state of Illinois only to uh, find out that uh, we weren't getting, they, our group, the company, and, and we don't ever own any of this, So, when I, but I take it personally, so I say our group, they didn't get a license in their district. And uh, the reason why is because the number one scoring application was also in that district. So had we written that in any of the other 19 districts, would they would have gotten a license. So that's what I mean. You can kill it. You can do an amazing right. job and not get one of these competitive licenses. Mm-hmm. So it gets worse. New York. The group is amazing. We wrote the retail store part of the application, processing, and the growing was written by some other amazing guys. And uh, they're only issuing five licenses for New York, right? Medical marijuana in New York. We wrote the highest merit-based scoring application. Oh, wait, there's some weird deal where they can subtract points off of your score because you don't own all the property. And all but one of the pieces of property were owned. Um, that was in closing, under contract, the whole deal. Took a, uh, a point deduction, and we were in sixth place by a tenth of a point. They took five licenses. So again, we wrote an amazing license. Everything was there. Right, circumstance. Right. Now, writing license in Colorado, we know you're going to get the license. So, you know, it's more about helping people start their business. And, uh, you know, same with what we're doing in Oregon. It's it's helping people, you know, I've got clients right now that we're starting with them with their business plan and writing a cannabis business plan and then moving them forward. But they're not in a competitive application situation. So, you know, when they have the piece of land and the right type of property that they're going to get a license. So... Um that's a lot a lot more fun and a lot more uh you know, for me a little more fulfilling because we're gonna keep working, we're building these relationships, it's gonna be long term. And uh so yeah, that's kinda where DCG is at now. We're uh we're uh we've got Puerto Rico clients we're taking on now. You know, Ohio and Pennsylvania just passed medical marijuana. Um so we've got clients uh for, we're already working with from both of those. You know, we're in Alaska in Washington, Oregon, California, then there was Hawaii, Maryland, New York, Illinois. So that's, we've been... uh, 11? Yeah, we've been working in 11 states. Colorado, 12. Yep, and Colorado, 12. It's been really good. We've had a lot of fun. We've met a ton of people. It's got its ups and downs, but uh, at the end of the day, we've got the time to share our knowledge, and and we've developed a lot of IP when it comes to uh, writing standard operating procedures so that we can help people be compliant in their business. Like I said earlier, the office trumps the grow. Standard operating procedures are a way to make that not a big deal because everybody's on the same page. Everybody's doing exactly what you want them to do. It's repeatable. It's written down. And uh, that's where we've gone now, which is a pretty high level of high business level. That's high functioning to be running a company off of a standard operating procedure. Most people don't have to do
1: that. Right, right, right. Most businesses don't use that. Yeah, I mean, you know. I have loose guidelines in all my businesses. Right. Yeah. Checklists, maybe, but not, you know. What would you akin it to? What other business has similar type of uh, uh, demands on their infrastructure?
2: Well, I mean, you know, I would say you've got to play, you know, there's oil and gas industry has got a lot of regulations. Um, You know, there's. I think you know. You look into the the old joke was like nuclear power. You know, nuclear is the only thing that's got more regulation than than weed, <laughs> and that's not totally true. What what a uh, this what this it guy sounds real I, good, right? I, it sounds I, great. I'm, I can't take take credit for the quote, yeah. but I, and I know I can't remember who uh, it's a, it's one of the guys over at Dixie, but he always says, "Look, we're flying the airplane." and we're building it and repairing it all at the same time we're up the, in the air doing all that we're always in that phase they are in some balance of of, uh, of those three things in the industry and so you have to uh, respect that and, and kind of be able to be able to bend with it with uh, you know the stress and be able to move uh, in the right directions but not
1: too stressed out but uh, well, hey man it's is the perfect time yeah. to uh, let's take a stressed out break real take dirt take break Chip Baker Justin Jones We'll
0: get back to firing it up with the expert on The Real Dirt with Chip Baker after this.
3: The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Voober vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Voober vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Voober way.
5: Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com Improve your lifestyle naturally. Everyone deserves the medicine they need. Aaron's premium CBD essentials and CBD nectar products are made from plant-based organic ingredients, grown and processed in the United States. Our unique formula of coconut oil and coconut water infused with CBD oil is ideal for all skin types and provides maximum relief. Aaron's Essentials was formulated by 9-11 First Responder and Stage 4 Cancer Survivor Aaron Sieber. As a cannabis connoisseur, Aaron began making and using his own lab-tested medicinal cannabis products to help relieve the side effects of his rigorous cancer treatments. Visit www.cannosaurbrands.com for more information on Aaron's essentials and learn how you can pay it forward. That's C-A-N-N-A-I-S-S-E-U-R brands.com. Do
3: you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With New Frontier Data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. New Frontier's tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities. Our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions. And our cutting-edge big data platform, Equio, puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's E-Q-U-I-O to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild.
4: Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with cannabisradio.com.
0: Time to get all the insider cannabis industry secrets straight from the mouths of the OG weed pioneers on the real dirt with Chip Baker.
1: All right, here we are, real dirt, rolling it up with Justin Jones from Dank. Thanks for having me, Chip. Yeah, man, it's a great conversation. So uh, we've been smoking out, talking about Dank and Kush Bottles. Kush Bottles, now you're selling packaged, official packaged product that's that's, uh, childproof cannabis packaging. You're selling it in Colorado, you're selling it all over the country, and you decided to go public with this company. Yep, yes. Um,
2: Well, you know, what actually happened was... uh, the guys uh from california that we were working with came to us and uh wanted to go public and so we thought that was pretty cool and decided to uh to make it happen so we uh, merged all the companies together there was an office in washington that they had and we basically sold them dank bottles and they spent uh spent about a year getting everything together to uh go public and, and we didn't do a reverse merger which has a lot of problems so we've seen a lot of cannabis companies uh go public that way with, with a reverse merger but this was something uh, that we did from scratch and I didn't participate that directly in it so I can't take a lot of credit but it was fun to watch them do it and it's public and you can buy stock now and uh, and that's you know at 42 years old I never thought I'd be part of a, of a publicly traded company and I currently don't have any actual you know affiliation you know as an employee or anything like that I'm a, I'm a stockholder in the company and uh I'm always promoting it and sending my clients there, and their team is great. And we're we're really looking forward to California getting some regulations for child-resistant packaging and going recreational because that's going to change the horizon immensely. So we're hoping for that here in the next couple of years. But,
1: yeah, Kush Bottles. So uh, a hugely successful Kush Bottles. Denver Consulting Group is going on hand-in-hand at the time. Uh, you've also developed this of score and this green space. Man, and how do we integrate this whole story? Well, one thing about all these companies and what we did with all
2: of them, it was out of necessity because there wasn't this long-standing infrastructure that we could lean on. Because uh, it's cannabis, it's it's weed. It's just coming out of the closet. It's still you know illegal pretty much everywhere else. There's four states you know that allow rec and Washington D.C. But you know at the end of the day. People needed a way to buy buildings and own them for cash because if you were growing marijuana in a building that had a commercial bank loan on it, that wasn't going to happen. And people got their loans canceled, or people were getting kicked out of buildings. Um, you know, uh, so that that's how green space got started. You know, at the same time, Caniscore, uh we wanted to be able to track our compliance. We wanted to be able to give ourselves audits. We wanted to be able to go deeper than just the rules and regulations and go to compliance two point I call it. So Canascore is a software that allows you to be able to do that both through third party auditing tools and we're releasing a new in-house auditing tool that you can just use inside your company and, and basically give yourself the same checks that the state might when they come in to, to inspect you or the city, you know, all the, you, right now we are seeing about 10 different agencies in Colorado that are regulating us, inspecting us, coming out up once or twice a year and uh so can allows you to you know kind of n- know that everything's tight and so um you know but there wasn't any product we could run out and buy like if you own a bar and you want to find out if if your bartenders are making their sh- drinks too strong or giving away beers you know you can do, there's like 20 different companies that, with with like 10 different solutions that'll come in and you know, we did it at a, at a place I used to have where they'd they'd come in and do all your all your inventory, and then they you'd weigh the bottles at the end of the night, like just like on like a pot scale. You throw a fifth of a Jack up there, and they could tell you down like to the fraction of an ounce exactly how much it was was leaving the bottle. You know, but we, that doesn't exist in cannabis, and so that's why we started Canascorer, and that's why we started Green Space. And so now Greenspace has got a really nice portfolio in Portland. That's a big group of a bunch of people that invest on commercial property and rent it directly to cannabis
1: companies, right, grower, so, processors, stores. So you are a one-stop shop of cannabis right now. It, it's it's right? it's coming that um, way. I mean there's a few you, things well, 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 I know, that I, I might think
2: you not are, do. But, you okay, know.
1: so so you're you're on both sides of the business. You're yep. on the ancillary side. You're also on the the direct plant side. You grow the cannabis and then sell it by the gram out the front door of your your facility. Yep. Right. So you're also a, a consultant helping um, new cannabis uh, people and people already in the cannabis industry put their business together in a sophisticated and regulated manner. Yep. Right? You you have a, a software company associated with this called Greenspace. No, Canascore. Canascore. Can-a-score sorry, is the software, Can-a-score. yep. So, so that can help you uh, monitor all of your regulatory issues within well, we are, your business. And we also use that as a on your application for a marijuana license,
2: you say, "Listen, yeah, we're right, going right, to use right. Caniscore, and we're going to know that all of our compliance is perfect." So
1: then, you then you also have green space that 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 buys and and leases commercial cannabis spaces to 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 cannabis people. Yep, right. So yes. I, I, how what else? I mean, I guess there's other stuff. To sure, do, but yeah. I mean, you, you seem like you're you're on all sides of it right now. I mean, well, you and could if grow I'm not, weed,
2: yeah. Could, if I'm not doing it, I know someone that is you know, so like i you know knowing someone like you and your team you know that's a that's a big asset for me because you know the i'm I'm not making dirt or you know selling the the lights and you know dealing with the that type of type of distribution and sales so and we just send them your way, and I just had a client uh, in, of mine in Oregon buy I think about thirty of your de's over there at cultivate, and so so yeah. even when I don't that's have exact, uh, yeah, when I don't, you know, if I can't do it or one of my companies can't do it, then I've got some close friends that we that we send people
1: over yeah, to. No, that that's what I meant about your networking. You got the guy. I, I've called you over the years asking you for connections of people or yeah. or, or whatnot. That's for sure. Yep.
2: But uh, yeah, the one-stop shop. It's been fun, and I think that uh, this
1: didn't start out that way, though. You didn't have this idea. Well, we of never like, did try to do any
2: of it. If you, the beginning of our story today was the jam pad, the man hang. I didn't ever say, "Oh, we were trying you're to start trying to a commercial marijuana to, grow." You
1: were just trying to grow some weed to pay for it. Yeah,
2: we, I, you know, we weren't trying to, we weren't trying to open a marijuana store. Um, we're just trying to get that out, get the get these little grows out of our basement. But you know. It's also about identifying when a good thing's you know in front of you, and, and then uh, working hard and going for it, and making good decisions, not getting greedy, bootstrapping. You know, don't uh, don't go out and you know some people like to use other people's money, and, and that does work out. So I'm sure a lot of the times, but we were fortunate enough to uh, really just Boot put trap. our put it all back in. You know, right. put it as much as we could until we got to a place where you know there was extra. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah, absolutely, man so uh hey hey man what what's some of the like slang language or terminology you guys use? you know, like words that have come into the cannabis industry, whether it's in the consulting, the packaging, the growing the distribution the um, sales well
2: i i I have some of my own that i try to I always try to get rolling and and, and it works yep. and um so like slang <laughs> it'll be uh and some of it's <laughs> low temp dabs, bra. I say that to people sometimes.
1: <laughs> low temp dabs, bra. Right. Right. Like, right.
2: like we won't be doing dabs or maybe we'll be at a, at a, at an event or it something. It just defines I mean, like, something quality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 no. um, but you know, so then, so then like I have some friends that, that are you are, making uh, fun
1: of people I know, or,
2: <laughs> well, I would say it, it pokes fun at the dab industry. Somewhat, but you know, there's just Con- a younger generation. I'm getting older. We're just kind of. We're, I'm just kind of poking fun at the at these younger kids. I mean, we were doing dabs with, uh, you know, our Hot our knives, and gas stoves, and, and 70 micron bubble hash. <laughs> you know, the full melt, right? But uh,
1: well, other slang, full low temp dabs. Bro, I've actually heard other people say it that way too. Yeah. Well. There's a big movement for low temp dabs, brah. Oh yeah, man! It's all about
2: the turp, brah. But it's uh, for real. It really is all about the turp. Well, you know, dank is a is a name that we that we took and 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 actually sure, that's
1: a slang. That's it's, absolutely
2: it's totally absolutely slang, slang, and and uh, it's been super hard to trademark or copyright or do anything with because it's a it's such it's, a general term. Yeah, yeah, huh? it's just, yeah, right. it's just a, a, so much of just a
1: word. It can mean the the smell of your basement, you know, or um, you know. Nothing special. You haven't defined anything special, right? Thank.
2: We we've we we're able to get like trademark type of stuff on on our logos. logos. yeah. So so you trademark your logo. You trademark your logo on a shirt, on a glass, mm. on a mug or whatever. And you know that's uh, that's cool. But um, back in the day, people used to give me shit, and they would say. You know, oh, what kind of a name is Dank? You know, for medical marijuana. You know, and I would say it's going to be a really good name someday for recreational marijuana. And you know, so when when rec happened, we were we were glad to already have the name and have it been around a little bit. And one of my favorite phrases is, "Mm,
1: "That's just Dank."
2: Yeah, that's the Dank. (laughs) Uh, But it was uh, a slang. The old slang, okay. So, like, you know, back in the day, growing up in the Midwest, you know, we called it KB, the kind bud, got the kind historic slang. Yeah, that's all pretty standard, I yeah, think. Now that's know, standard. The, the, you had the swag. We had, you know, swag. there was a, there was You've always the dirt weed, brick weed, dirt weed, shitty weed, uh, dog roll, <laughs> dog um, roll. I don't think I'm I don't, I don't think I'm familiar with the dog roll. What's that? That's just shitty Mexican brick weed that uh, um, just sucks when you live in Iowa and you're like you know 19 you, man, or 20 you smoke man.
1: what you get right yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, I'm trying to think of some other good slang what's strange you smoking these days well um,
2: a friend of mine does this amazing Skywalker OG cut oh yeah that's pretty, uh, up in Portland. So, you know, I've, I've left, uh, Denver right now. And so in my own grow, I've had her, my own grow for eight years. Um, now you're buying West now Coast. Now I'm buying weed. West Coast weed and it's fun. I get to hit all these different dispensaries and I've, you know, you're out there checking it out. But, uh, you know, my, I've got this bro that does some Skywalker and he'll give me, he'll kick me down that a little bit sometimes. And man, that stuff's good. And then, uh, but I think that's like that 19, 20% turped out OG cut, you know, mm-hmm. so that's what I love. That, uh, Gorilla Glue. Um, I got some OG HB, which I don't remember what the HB, but I've seen it a couple times. A headband? No, sorry. OG KB. Mm. I like to go over to Archive
1: Portland. You know, they got a Gorilla Glue there and a couple other things that I really dig. Um, this show is not sponsored by Archive Portland as of this, uh, uh, as of this recording. I know, we've talked about him a couple times, but uh, there's They're a... They're just good people. They got good yeah. weed. I've known Fletcher for years. Totally. Yeah, you know, he's a great guy. High standards. Yeah.
2: There's a dog walker um, cut rolling I mean, around Albert, up there.
1: Albert Walker dog. Yeah. Is
2: yeah. it a Kim dog, Albert Walker? I'm not sure. Well, Albert Walker a was D-O-G. a really finicky plant to
1: grow. God, man, it has this incredible smell while it's growing like nothing else. Yeah. Like when you harvest it, it completely changes. Fletcher does a great job of that shit. I should take a I should take a weed vacay to Portland. You should. You thing. should.
2: Yeah. I don't know where the I, I get this uh, the dog walker I've gotten at this other spot. You know the the Oregon scene's gonna go you know through a lot here between now and the end of the year with their regulations and uh, the growers are changing and uh, moving out of their basements and out of their garages and moving into warehouses. But they've had an amazing farm culture there
1: for so long. Yeah, bunch of outdoor guys in the southern Oregon. Yeah, you're getting to see it all, man. Right now, yeah, everybody's just like really like coming out of the closet, so to speak. Yep, right, definitely, right. The the big growers have gotten bigger. Well, and
2: Oregon's in a cool spot because you know they've watched Washington, Mm -hmm. you know, who went six months after Colorado, and so they're over. Washington's over two years now with the full program for recreational, and so and then and they really modeled themselves off of Colorado. They didn't do a couple things that were probably that were good decision. That's a good decision, and then they avoided a lot of what you know Washington had went through. So, and what Washington mm-hmm. was doing. So, right. Um, you know, I've got some friends that just moved up – a good friend that just well not a good friend a friend of a good friend who just moved up to Washington, and he's a cool cat. Um, you know, up there, and there's a there's a different th- you know the regulations there are a little bit different, and they got uh, but I you know I like going to the stores in Washington. They got tons of strains. Like the Washington stores will have like two hundred strains, because there's no vertical integration at all. So they just tons of growers. They just there's tons of growers. Everything's branded to the grow. Everything's branded back to the farm. The stores are really like a liquor store. You just have to carry everything, you know. So, um, but that's kind of cool too. As a shopper, you know, as a Mm, as a you know as a stoner. That's um, a good shop up there. Oh, man, it's been a while since I've been up in Washington. It was called, uh, it was really actually, I I went around one day to like seven shops with the guy who sells them all their point of sales. Mm -hmm. So he likes to roll around to stop in and talk to uh, the manager and just get some feedback on the point of sale system unannounced. And uh, so he took me to a bunch of stores. I'll have to think of one. I'm drawing a blank. I'm drawing a C99 blank. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, totally. But uh, I'll tell you <laughs> okay, what, man. Do they do you... I'll just have to go up there and find so out, you Have to man. just come up there. Um, Fletcher knows the people up there. I should just go check it out. Yeah,
2: and there's a uh, and really the concentrate scene in Oregon at the stores is very limited because you can only it just started. They they just were started allowing concentrate and topical and edible sales um, in Oregon for recreational in June. So and, and there's other restrictions that get lifted at the end of the year. So, yeah, Oregon's Oregon's gonna keep getting better and be and be a cool scene. And uh, you know, we're getting uh, we're getting our DCG Northwest up there. Caniscore will be launching up there soon. We've uh, bought eight buildings with green space up there. Helped and we've been helping some Colorado guys go to go to Oregon. So some of our uh, tenants at the buildings up there are. Uh, Colorado guys that are making a move to Oregon, (laughs) expanding. Oregon allows uh, out-of-state ownership and immediate residency when you get there. They changed those laws this last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So that opened things up, opened some money, uh, streams Uh, up. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Wow, yeah. So, man, how would you define yourself, a grower, a dealer, or a smoker? Hmm. It's okay, man. It's
2: been a f- it's been it's a couple years it. since I was, you know, d- getting down and dirty in the grow. So, well, I'll I'll take that one off. Um, I know how to grow. And if I had to jump in there, it'd be, everything would be all right. But uh I haven't I haven't done it. I haven't done it hands on. Uh, dealer, you know? Um I haven't sold it. I haven't personally sold any weed for a, a while either. We got such a great team at Dank. Um you know, the dealer kind of represents the business side. Well, sure. Well, I mean, in, in that respect, I am equal parts grower, dealer, smoker, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I think about? I th- What I think is more important is that uh, I love the plant, cannabis plant. Um, I'm definitely in love with Mary Jane.
1: I love you, Mary
2: Jane. I tried to name my uh, youngest daughter Mary Jane. Oh, yeah I had it I had it. This is a funny story. My grandmother's name is Mary Jane, uh, and I was trying to pull it off like let's i wanna name her after my grandma, you know think uh, <laughs> yeah, it didn't get busted, I invested, but uh no, equal parts, but what it's really about is the love of the plant, and if you love the plant and you take care of the plant, everything else
1: works out, so you're a smoker, you think you're a smoker, all right, there you go. Well, you know, I, I pegged you for a dealer. I haven't had anyone say they were a dealer yet. Most people say they're smokers or growers. Yeah. Right? But I don't think there's anything bad with a dealer. I think we, I think there's a little dealer in all of us. right? But well, you've had to. I mean, well, you know, before you could
2: just get weed at a store, whether you had a medical card or, mm-hmm. or now with rec, I mean, you had to. I don't know. I think Actually, I do know guys that probably never sold weed. Maybe they would get like an extra eighth for their buddy because otherwise their buddy would just come over and smoke all their weed, right? So, you know. Um, but uh, it's okay to be a dealer. Somebody's got to do it.
1: Somebody's got to do it. I've I got, always I got loved a cor- my dealer. i got a corner, man. I've, I've always, always loved corner. my dealer. i got a corner. Yeah, I love you guys, man. Elm can, Street, man. Just right down the street. <laughs> <laughs> i got a corner.
2: Elm Street. I yelled that at a guy one time. He was trying to sell. weed. he was sitting in front of my my store. This is my corner. He was sitting in front of my store, and when people walked up to go in our store, he would say, "Hey, I got better weed and it's cheaper, right?" And then, and most people would kind of look, and but like probably like one out of twenty people would would walk over and talk to the guy. I ran out a couple different times, and I said, "This is my block. Go down. Go down to the next block, buddy." Or I'll call the cops. That's the funniest part. I went out and I said, "This is my block. You hit the, you get out, you know, you hit the road, or I'm calling the cops because <laughs> you're infringing on my space. This is where I sell weed."
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's such a polite interaction.
2: But I, you know, up until uh, just about, uh, really, up until two and a half years ago, I was really hands-on with
1: everything at the store and the grow and and uh, now, now you're you're. You're in. You've been in Oregon for a while, five months. Um, excellent, excellent, man. Just, you're liking the West Coast lifestyle. And West Coast is nice. Mm-hmm. It's uh, there's good business out there for you. you get to position yourself in uh, Washington, Oregon, and California.
2: And Alaska's not too far Alaska's away, too so far I'm looking away. forward to getting up there. Um, mm-hmm. we've got a client up there, and we got an application submitted for him, and um. You know, when you talk about marijuana, a lot of other things, there's this culture. We've had this underground culture for so long. And now that everyone's coming out of the closet and it's okay to, you know, to smoke pot and it's legal in so many places. uh, Like the music and the different scenes, you know, like watching like the hip-hop culture or the hippie culture and like the jam band, you know, scene and, uh, but marijuana like brings it all together, like crosses over from all these, for all these like things for music or really even, even people, you know? It, it brings Republicans and Democrats, you know? Uh, everybody, you know, once you, once you realize that you're both, you're stoners and this maybe someone knew that you meets the stoner also, you're, uh, you're like, you know, you're joined. Right, you have a, a bond, but we're going to lose some of that with with all the wreck, with all the legalization, and that's okay too, because there's you don't have that bond, you don't have to score, you don't have to score weed anymore, and that's part of that bond is that score, the score, right? Because you know it's illegal, you could get in trouble, you know, get a little rush out of that. Now you just buy weed. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know, it's totally different. And people right. don't, you know, I don't, I, you talk about grams, <laughs> you know, and eighths. We, we haven't weighed a quarter out in, in two and a half years. If you want a quarter, we'll give you two eighths. I mean, you know, but we don't even it's package quarters. Right. That, a grams lot of people do that way. Six And joints. And and I think we, you know, we sell thousands of joints. And right. so. You guys have an automated joint roller? Uh-huh. Package. No, we did finally get an automated, uh, joint roller. Someone finally made one that was. More.
1: It was good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you identify a, a major struggle that you have? That's a universal, or maybe that's like the greatest struggle you had to overcome to to, to get into this business or to maintain in this. Right. Business?
2: Well, uh, there's always adversity, and uh, something's always coming at you. We we've been lucky a lot, and we've uh, we have the right team and the right you know people around us. So when when something happens uh you know we're okay with it you know you get audited for your taxes you know i mean you know there's uh that's something that i never thought i'd have to do with weed you know it's like go through a tax audit for cannabis and uh we've got three we've had uh, we've had the state and now we're we have the irs and uh in 2 weeks we got the city so By the end of this year, I'm, I'll have gone through all of it. And you know, those are, those are, you know, that's, those are stressful things, but you know, you, uh, just hoops to jump through really. It's hoops and you, you know, it costs money and you got to spend the money, get the right people, you know, hire, hire the good attorneys for that sort of thing. You know, we've been blessed. Uh, we really, we've really been blessed. We haven't had a ton of uh, bad things happen. Um, you know, like we got broken into, you know, and like they just, they just opened the wrong door, right? Like if they would have opened the next door, you know, like there's three door. What was that show where there's like three doors? Right. And there was like one of the doors had something really good. The other door was like you know not really that good, and then the other door was a joke, right? Like you lose. So you know, I mean, we're, we've been lucky when when something bad happens, they they get they don't open the right door. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know. That's the way it is with cannabis. It's, it's happening so fast, and going back to that uh, the right, analogy of, of flying the plane as you build it and fix it. You know, it, it's it's there's always going to be something, and and we have people that hate what we're doing. Smart Colorado is a group that's got millions uh, and millions yeah, of dollars. Absolutely. They they're there's fighting opponents it. They, to the and the governor listens to them. Uh, I was on a you committee so that hired that you have to, and they're on the committees. I was I sat on the committee to hire the new director of. Marijuana. We interviewed five different candidates, and you know, I was there with, with guys from you know, well, with with people from Smart Colorado and people from the state and different cities in
1: Colorado. And they're trying to le- leverage anti-cannabis people onto to the enforcement issues.
2: Well, you have to. They've got a lot of money, and people listen to them. And, and they, mm-hmm. there are, you know, they do have a side. But so you know, there, there's hey, you always know that.
1: I'm not going to give them their side on this show. We
2: no, we're not going to. But we're that's. But we do him. fight that in cannabis now, and and that's why mm-hmm. um, the government relations you know comes into play. And uh, I've done some work with the Colorado Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, and and that's you know we've we've worked some of the bills that we've sponsored and, and helped get through. Now the bill, the big bill we worked on this year was to get out of state investments and ownership allowed here in Colorado. So that starts at the beginning of the year. Um, so that that was big and. And uh so yeah, we're it's it's a real industry just like anyone else. else. Yep. It's it's
1: got it's everything. It's all just starting and just happening. Yep. Yeah, it's all happening, man. Man, if you had a crystal ball and you're looking into your crystal ball, yep. what what happens five years from now? I was reading this morning when I got up that there's uh
2: there's nine initiatives in November. Yeah. Nine So, California and Arizona. Who else was, who else was doing something? Um, but a bunch of, oh yeah, Massachusetts and Maine. So, anyways, you know, California is a big catalyst. So, if California votes in recreational cannabis this year in November, I think it's polling pretty good. Of course, this is, we're here in the beginning of September. It will, uh, that's going to change things and it's going to make Washington DC really have to take a look at what they're doing when the entire West coast of the United States is recreational. I mean, even Alaska, I mean, everything on the West, it's a lot of people. California is huge. It's a massive representation of the United States and the kind of, you know, so five years, I think that you'll be able to do this with the blessing of the feds. In your state, if you want to. And if you want to keep the war on weed going on in your state somewhere, I think they'll help you with that, too. So I think that the way they deregulate or or, uh, the way they unschedule cannabis will have a lot to do with that. And, And as long as the states that really want to do it are allowed... To continue to do it and are treated like more normal businesses or businesses that could be similar in in nature. That's good, and I think in five years we'll we'll have made a lot of progress towards that. And I think in ten years, it could be uh, it could be different. And it could be we could be shipping uh, from state to state. In five years, we could be shipping state to state on the West Coast, and then that changes things too. You know, all these years, all that great product <laughs> from Northern California that makes its way around. You know, I mean, if they could actually distribute that all up and down the West Coast, you know, without leaving into any other states that are game changer, game changer, and it'll be hard, I think, to get states like Idaho and and Utah to pass. So it'll be hard to get some like interstate commerce going because mm-hmm. just because of the routes. But I think that the the West Coast going, you know, that's going to be real, and that could
1: be five years that they could be working together because right. crossover. <laughs> so. Awesome predictions. We'll, 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 I'll check back in five years, and we'll see how that rolls for us. Yep. Sweet, man. Well, this has been a awesome conversation. I'm glad you uh, squeezed me into you. I know your difficult uh, schedule. First mm-hmm. thing in the morning, all the, all these joints made it a, a, an epic conversation. It's, uh, it
2: is epic. i got to pull it together now and, and uh, do some meetings and talk to some people about starting their weed business. Uh, awesome, awesome day, man. And, uh, well, no, but yeah, thanks for having me, Chip. And it's always fun hanging out and talking about
1: uh, talking, talking about the dirt. Yeah, getting the real dirt. The real dirt. All right, this is the real dirt. Chip Baker and Justin Jones. Let's go roll some more of that uh, good Kush I got over here. Up. All right. We have reached the end of another episode of the Real Dirt. Thank you, Denver Consulting, Bickle Consulting, Cultivate Colorado, Archive Seed Bank, Lisa, Willow, David, Chris, Michael, Hollis. Keep it dirty, my friends.